This is the mop-up for September 2nd, 2023. I'm going to be talking about Rudy and Matt and Mercedes Schlepp this morning. I came across a quote from Rudy Giuliani when he was lobbying Rusty Bowers, the Republican Speaker of the Arizona House, trying to get him to reverse the Biden electors and send Trump electors to Washington, D.C. And when Rusty Bowers said, do you have proof of election fraud in Arizona? This is what Rudy said. We've got lots of theories. We just don't have the evidence. And I can't think of a better description of the entire Republican Party. We got lots of theories. We just don't have the evidence. This is what Rudy said in 61 hearings before 61 judges in the lead up to January 6. When asked for evidence, Rudy said, we've got lots of theories. We just don't have the evidence. What more do you need to know about these people? Ohio Police Friday released body cam footage of an officer shooting and killing a pregnant 21-year-old black woman while she sat inside her car outside a supermarket. The killing took place on August 24th. Takiya Young died, as did her fetus. She was due to give birth in eight weeks. She leaves behind two sons. The two officers approached her car, accusing Takiya of shoplifting. One officer reportedly told her to step out of the vehicle. Reports are that she refused. A cop stood in front of her car, immediately pointed his gun at her. She asked, are you going to shoot me? And according to reports, as her car began to move forward, he shot and killed her. The tape is available. I can't watch it. So if you want to tell me what you think is on the tape, I just I can't watch the body cam. A CBS affiliate in Texas reports that Coffee City, Texas, has 250 residents along with 50 police officers. A town of 250 has 50 police officers. That's five cops per citizen. But the cops in Coffee City, Texas, more than earned their pay by issuing 5,100 citations last year, which ended up racking up more than a million dollars in court fines for the city. And that's how a lot of towns do business these days. Instead of raising taxes on the rich, hire more police, have them harass poor people, place those people in a permanent cycle of debt, trying to pay off their court fees. KHOU, the CBS affiliate, reports more than half of Coffee City, Texas's police force are rejects from other police departments around the state of Texas. More than half were fired or suspended or dishonorably discharged for lying, associating with known felons and public drunkenness. The head of the American Conservative Union and CPAC, Matt Schlapp, along with his wife, Mercedes Schlapp, who also works for CPAC, are being sued for defamation 
and man-on-man assault after a male GOP staffer said Matt Schlapp tried to forcibly hold his hand in Georgia last year. And after he reported it, Mercedes Schlapp tried to ruin his reputation. Two men, two other men, have also stepped forward, accusing Matt Schlapp of inappropriate hand-holding, and three high-ranking CPAC officials, including the treasurer and a board member, stepped down this summer, suggesting Schlapp was illegally siphoning off money from CPAC donors to pay his legal fees. Charlie Garrow, the vice chair of the Conservative Political Action Union, which runs Matt Schlapp's CPAC, Uh, He quit last Friday while calling for CPAC to investigate the hostile workplace Matt Schlapp allegedly created, and he called for CPAC to examine why so many employees are quitting CPAC. So let's see. Three men accuse Matt Schlapp of aggravated handholding. CPAC's treasurer and a top board member at CPAC quit, suggesting on their way out that Matt Schlapp is misusing CPAC money. Could it get any worse for Matt Schlapp and Mercedes Schlapp, a Washington, D.C. power couple who say any marriage that is not between a man and a woman is an assault on their on their religious freedoms? Can it get any worse for them? God, I sure hope it can. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Mother, make things horrible for the schlaps. Please, please, pretty, and it worked. My prayer worked. Praise the Lord and thank you, Jesus. The Daily Beast reported on Friday, and I'm not making this up, that Matt Schlapp, the chairman of CPAC, and his wife, Mercedes, paid a Catholic priest to come to CPAC's Washington, D.C. headquarters and perform, and I wish I were making this up. Actually, I'm kind of happy. They paid a priest to come to CPAC's Washington, D.C. headquarters and perform an exorcism to rid their organization of Satan. I'm not making this up. The exorcism took place back in the spring of 2022, right after many... CPAC employees began quitting CPAC after they asked for raises and were refused. Yes, it's the devil whispering into the ears of your employees, telling them they deserve a livable wage and they should be able to afford both rent and food. That's the work of the devil, putting those kind of ideas in their heads, a livable wage. Not only that, but that, uh, this would also be the second known exorcism that took place inside the CPAC headquarters. I'm not making this up. Now, CPAC is the leading conservative organization in America. They're spreading out around the world, holding their conferences. And this is the second known exorcism that took place inside the CPAC headquarters in Washington, D.C. Now, according to the Daily Beast, CPAC's general counsel, I've talked about him, David Safavian, 
also brought in a priest to exercise the demons from the office earlier this year. If you recall, David Savavian, the general counsel for CPAC, had to be pardoned by Donald Trump after serving time for perjury. That's CPAC, the leading conservative organization. You can't get the Republican nomination without being approved by CPAC. David Savavian, the general counsel for CPAC, lost his law license in Missouri and Washington, D.C., but had the D.C. license restored right before Donald Trump pardoned him. And so they appointed David Sebavian, general counsel for CPAC, because CPAC is all about forgiveness, unless, of course, you want to hold hands with another man. This is Matt and Mercedes Schlapp on their wedding day. They're a cute couple, aren't they? They're adorable. I like them. You know, if you want to buy them a gift, they're still registered at Gay Conversion Therapies Are Us. The Daily Beast also reports a CPAC employee described the exorcism that Matt and Mercedes Schlapp staged at the CPAC offices. The employee described it as, quote, the weirdest, <laughs> the weirdest thing I've ever seen. You think? The priest, and I'm not, this is from the Daily Beast. The priest reportedly walked around the CPAC offices sprinkling holy water. And according to the Daily Beast, employees started to elbow the priest into Matt Schlapp's office because, according to the Daily Beast, those employees insisted that's where most of the evil was coming from. It's in the Daily Beast. Go read this. When asked to comment on Friday, Matt Schlapp issued a statement through the publicist he shares with Eric Prince, the founder of Blackwater. Speaking of Satan, I'm not making that one up either. Matt Schlapp and Eric Prince share the same publicist. I hope that's all they share. Matt Schlapp told the Daily Beast, quote, through his publicist, this is Matt Schlapp's statement about the uh, exorcism that was reported, the two exorcisms that were reported inside the CPAC offices. This is Matt Schlapp, his official statement. CPAC is, quote, CPAC is being terrorized by a demon self-described as the Daily Beast. The good news is the leadership of CPAC knows how the epic battle against the beast ends. Yes, I, I think I know how this epic battle ends as well. I'm guessing, mostly hoping, but I'm also guessing, there's going to be more drip, drip, drip as we discover that Matt and his wife have been using CPAC, a tax-exempt nonprofit, as their own personal piggy bank. That's what I'm guessing and hoping that we find out. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I do know the treasurer of CPAC resigned in June, alleging that. Uh, I'm guessing uh, the way this epic battle between Satan and CPAC plays out is I'm just guessing and hoping a few more hand-holding accusations 
come forth from other men and Mercedes flies to the Vatican and gets the marriage annulled, God willing. Then Matt, who was also co-chair of Catholics for Trump and a big election denier, I predict that Matt uh, leaves the Catholic Church, goes on a two-year man-bender, only to have his come-to-Jesus moment inside a karaoke bar in Thailand. He comes back to the United States, writes a confessional, and becomes a Southern Baptist preacher, selling prepper Christian diet supplements that kill the urge to hold hands with another man. So, you know, it's not right to wish bad on bad people. I, I get that. But I believe that people like them, the schlaps, are dangerous. Uh, first off, they believe in the devil. That makes them especially dangerous. Uh, I think if you believe in the devil, you know, you need help. You, you should adjust your medication. And by believing in the devil, it lets the both of them off the hook. No personal responsibility, right? It's the devil. It's the devil. No personal responsibility. The guy who runs CPAC, right? The conservative organization, right? It's all about personal responsibility. But he takes none for himself, right? Apparently, I don't know. That's what people are saying. This is what I'm hearing. This is what I'm reading. He doesn't seem to take personal responsibility when he feels the need to hold hands with a man. Well, that's not Matt Schlapp. That's the devil inside of him. So whenever somebody like Matt or Mercedes Schlapp, whenever they do something wrong, you know, like forcibly holding hands with another man or defaming that man's character when he complains. Matt and Mercedes believe the devil made them do it. And, you know, if uh, you believe in the devil and you believe that holding hands with another man is the work of the devil, that makes you very dangerous for unsuspecting men who meet you. And, you know, they have no idea when they meet somebody like Matt Schlapp. They have no idea what's swimming around inside that self-loathing, demented head of his. So I'm guessing this is, you know, this is conjecture from everything I've been reading. I'm guessing when people like Matt Schlapp get the urge to hold another man's hand, they believe the guy giving them the urge to hold hands is Satan tempting him, right? I have this monstrous urge to hold hands with this man. I'm being tempted by Satan. Satan, get thee behind me. Now get thee below me, Satan. Okay, now it's my turn. Now, if you've been raised to believe that holding hands with a man is a sin, and if you also believe that the devil is real, then those religious beliefs give you permission to lash out and beat the devil. And that's how Matthew Shepard ended up beaten, tortured, and left to die. 
in Laramie, Wyoming, on the night of October 6, 1998. This is some sick and twisted stuff, and it's got to stop. It's got to stop. It's sick, and it's twisted, and it gets people... Matthew Shepard, I believe, was... What, what, didn't they say he was crucified on a white picket fence? Believing in the devil... Believing holding hands with a man is a sin, dangerous, demented, sick, and people really get hurt. They really get hurt because you've been taught that, because you believe that. So go F yourself. I have no sympathy for you. We live in the 21st century, and yet Matt Schlapp and his wife... Two leading Republicans who worked in both the Bush and Trump White Houses. Apparently, they believe two men holding hands is the work of the devil. And that gets good men hurt. I do not wish ill on Matt Schlapp or Mercedes Schlapp, but I do not wish them good. I wish they would just disappear uh, along with their rancid belief systems. Well, the Proud Boys are a far-right hate group, kind of like CPAC. Uh, the Proud Boys are a far-right hate group. They were founded back in 2016 as sort of a drinking club that celebrated Western values. They call themselves Western chauvinists. By 2020, according to new reporting from the BBC, the Proud Boys became a militantly anti-LGBTQ group with a special focus on attacking members of the transgender community. The BBC reports that the Armed Conflict Location and Event Data Project has determined that in the past two years, far-right anti-trans groups have been involved in more than 200 attacks in America against the LGBTQ community, with the Proud Boys leading a good number of those attacks. On Friday, two leaders of the Proud Boys were sentenced to prison for the role they played on the January 6th attack against our nation's capital. Proud Boy Ethan Nordian was sentenced to eight years in prison for seditious conspiracy, Nordian is a 33-year-old, and he was found guilty of being the point man on the ground for the Proud Boys on January 6th because Enrique Terrio, the leader of the Proud Boys, had been arrested January 4th, and after his release, which was before January 6th, Terrio was warned to stay out of Washington, D.C. But Enrique Terrio was also convicted of seditious conspiracy, and his sentencing is next week. It's worth reminding everybody that Enrique Terrio, the chairman of the Proud Boys, has been an FBI informer for at least 12 years. That's according to Reuters and according to the Washington Post, I believe according to the Washington Post, but I know this to be reported by reliable uh, sources. Enrico Terrio was also an informer to uh, Washington, D.C.'s Intelligence Bureau. 
Washington police have their own little intelligence agency. Enrique Terrio was talking to the Washington, D.C. police and the FBI. Uh, I don't know what he told them, but he's going to prison. Uh, we also know that Stuart Rhodes, the founder of the Oath Keepers, was communicating with Donald Trump's Secret Service about doing backup, uh, doing backup uh, security for Trump supporters at some campaign rallies in 2020. Well, Dominic Pozzola, a 46-year-old ex-Marine, was acquitted on seditious conspiracy charges, but he is a proud boy and he was found guilty of obstructing an official proceeding and assaulting police officers. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Here is footage of him with a police shield that he took off a cop and then used to smash open a window that allowed him and his fellow travelers to enter the Capitol. He later posted a video of himself inside the Capitol smoking a victory cigar. That is a former Marine, 46-year-old former Marine. During his sentencing, Pozzola broke down before the judge and cried. He apologized and pleaded for leniency. But once the judge sentenced him to 10 years in prison and then left the courtroom, after the judge left the courtroom, Pozzola turned to the crowd raised a fist and shouted, Trump won. Have fun in prison. Well, this is the Labor Day weekend here in America, the last gasp of summer. It's time to cut loose and drink. And uh, joining us is Senator Ted Cruz. Uh, thank you for joining us, Ted Cruz. I want to ask you about January 6th, if you don't mind. Now, uh, I want to ask you about the Proud Boys, uh, on January 6th, you and the demented dentist turned congressman, Paul Gosar, from Arizona, you two were the first participants in the Green Bay sweep. That was a plan hatched by Trump advisors Peter Navarro and Steve Bannon. Now, the Green Bay sweep was named after Green Bay Packers coach Vince Lombardi's favorite play where they would flood the zone, overwhelm the other team, so their opponents had no idea where the ball was. The plan on January 6th, the plan devised by Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro, as well, I think you and Paul Gosar, the plan was for Republican senators and members of Congress, Republican members of Congress, to stall the certification of each state's electors so that the process would drag on for days. That's the Green Bay sweep. And you were not only part of this, you and Paul Gosar essentially kicked off the Green Bay sweep on January 6th. You were implementing, slowing down the certification. You were implementing the Green Bay sweep. It, you know, it was going to take days to certify. But then right in the middle 
of your challenge to the Arizona electors, the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers stormed the chamber and you had to run for cover. And that ruined the Green Bay sweep. We never got to see if the Green Bay sweep would have worked. Do you have a message for the Proud Boys? Frankly, they can kiss my ass. Yeah, you're pretty pissed off. Okay, it's Labor Day and you're drinking, everybody's partying. Rudy Giuliani joins us. You called that day for trial by combat. Any thoughts on all these Proud Boys being sentenced to 10, 20 years in prison, all because they acted on your orders? I drink scotch. Okay. Ted Cruz, uh, anything you'd like to tell Rudy? I mean, you were right in the middle of your Green Bay sweep, slowly and methodically, peacefully overturning the election results. And then Rudy told the crowd outside the Capitol to go on in there and fight, fight like hell. Anything you want to say to Rudy? Kiss my ass. Okay. Well, uh, Ted's drinking a little. It's the Labor Day weekend. Uh, There are now reports that special counsel Jack Smith has begun looking into Rudy's drinking. Jack Smith, the special counsel, reportedly is taking testimony from several close advisors inside the Donald Trump White House. They all say that everyone in the White House knew Rudy was drunk all the time and could not be trusted. Jack Smith is getting this testimony in anticipation of Trump's defense, which seems to be, I'm the victim of bad lawyering. That seems to be the defense, that he was just taking the advice of his lawyers and that I'm innocent. Well, the truth is that every lawyer in the Republican Party Every lawyer in the Justice Department, except for Jeffrey Clark, every lawyer told him there's no election fraud. So he had to go out and find lawyers who would tell him what he wanted to hear. So the reason Jack Smith is trying to get testimony that Rudy Giuliani is an alcoholic, it will prove that Trump hired Rudy specifically because he knew Rudy was a desperate alcoholic who reeked of scotch and would do anything Trump ordered him to do, like lie about election fraud or arrange the phony elector scheme. But Rudy has to testify as to his drinking, right? So I found an old interview with Rudy two years ago, and he was asked about his drinking. So you do not believe that you have a drinking problem? I know. I don't know to believe it. I know I'm not. I mean, I, I, no, I'm not. Alcoholic. I'm a functioning. You're a functioning. Alcoholic. Yeah, you're a functioning alcoholic. That didn't work the way I wanted it to. Let me just. <laughs> He's a functioning alcoholic. Alcohol, that's right. Let's go back to Senator Ted Cruz. Are, I have a question. Just uh, Are you a leg or a breast man? What do you like? Yes. Oh, okay. Thank you. Now let's go down to Georgia, where Marjorie Taylor Greene is standing by. Now, Marjorie, on Friday, you said your plan 
uh, is to shut down the government in the fall. You said you will block passage of the budget unless Kevin McCarthy begins impeachment proceedings against our president. Your thoughts? Joe Biden, you're not a president. You're a piece of shit. Well said. What a brilliant woman. Let's now go. This is this is uh, I'm taking Monday off, by the way. <laughs> Just this is what this is. This is pretty much what I did all day, just staring into space, going, I got to take a three-day weekend. Let's now go to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Trump. Yes, yes. Your thoughts on Donald Trump. What do you think of him? Duty. Okay. I see. Ted Cruz, would you like to (laughs) respond to the governor of Florida? Yes, my ass. Okay. I see. That was okay. And, uh, okay, uh... Would you like to respond to Ted Cruz, uh, Governor DeSantis? Duty. I see. Former President Donald Trump, your response to Governor DeSantis. Well, uh, your response to Governor DeSantis. Fox News, Wall Street Journal, Rupert Murdoch is a globalist. Murdoch is a globalist. Get used to it. I see. And Governor DeSantis, your response to former president, your opponent, Former President Donald Trump, your response, Governor DeSantis. Duty. I see. You know, this is the debate Fox News couldn't get last week. I'm, I, I'm actually getting Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump to go at it here on my little crappy podcast. Would you like to respond to that president, former President Donald Trump? Hillary Clinton, the sanctimonious, and I am crooked Hillary. And I am the sanctimonious. Okay, and uh, Governor DeSantis, would you like to rebut? Duty. I see. And former President Donald Trump, would you like to respond to that? And I am Biden. And I am the Wall Street Journal. And I am <laughs> Trump. Yes, yes, that's right. I am Trump. What else is he? What else is he? Duty. You're re- <laughs> your 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 response, Mr. Trump, to this, please. And I am crooked Hillary. Okay, and uh, Ron DeSantis, your rejoinder, please. We're running out of time. Duty. I see. And President Trump. And I am crooked Hillary. You said that already, Mr. DeSantis. Duty. Okay. (sighs) I'm going to take Monday off, if it's okay with you. I need some some me time. I just just need some time. These people are driving me effing nuts. All I do is read about these people, and it's... It's poisoning my brain. Right, Governor DeSantis? It's poisoning my brain. You know what I got in my brain? Duty. Yes, I do. Uh, I, uh, okay. Well, where am I? Duty. Yeah, I, I know that. Here we go. All right, let's get. As a congressman 11 years ago, Ron DeSantis voted against a $10 billion disaster relief bill for New York and New Jersey after Hurricane Sandy. But 
Now that he's governor of Florida, he's on the phone with Joe Biden every day trying to get as much money as he possibly can from FEMA after his state keeps getting hit by hurricanes like the one this week. Because there are so many climate change related national emergencies, Joe Biden is asking Congress for an additional four billion dollars so FEMA can continue to send help to states like Florida. But here is Ron DeSantis yesterday being asked about this additional funding. Do you support uh, the Biden administration's call for more money for the FEMA disaster relief fund? They're looking for four billion more dollars. You know, the, uh, how Washington handles all this stuff, I don't quite understand. Yeah, you don't quite understand. Yeah. So that's why you'd make such a great president, because you just you just don't understand how this stuff works because you don't have a clue. Tell us how you prepare for these hurricanes, Mind Fuhrer. In the state of Florida, we did, you know, we fund disasters ahead of time. So we have a fund that we created since I've been governor to be able uh, to do this. Ah, so you fund ahead of time. So you don't need any money from the federal government, right? Because you fund ahead of time. Why are you on the phone with Joe Biden asking for FEMA money, right? You, you voted against New Jersey and New York getting Sandy money when you were a congressman. Anyway, your thoughts on these hurricanes, please. You know, you hope you don't have them, but the reality is, I mean, these things just just happen. So uh, these things just happen. Yeah, they're they're acts of God. And by God, I mean the fossil fuel lobbyists lining your pocket. Well, it's been a little more than a week since Donald Trump was arrested in Fulton County and had his mugshot taken. Didn't take long for Trump to start cashing in on the mugshot. I just want to thank you for your tremendous support. And here it is. If you want to go out and get it, you can go out and get it. Have fun with it. But people do like it, I must say. Thank you very much. Yeah, I love it. I, 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 yeah, I, I do like it. We're having fun with it. You know, there's a new school of thought that his mugshot, Donald Trump's mugshot, is going to get him a lot of votes from people of color. This is what I'm hearing from a lot of people of no color. They're, they're saying now that Donald Trump has a mugshot, people of color can relate to him. Here is Alina Haba. She is Trump's lawyer. Her father, and I'm not making this up, is a gastroenterologist. So she's right at home handling people who are completely full of shit. Last year, Trump's Save America PAC paid her $2 million in legal fees. And here she is explaining why the mugshot is so good for Donald Trump. You've seen a lot of the minority vote come out right now, and, and they're really feeling for President Trump and all these legal battles and seeing how the, he is being prosecuted and persecuted. And they are saying, hey, I can't have this. This could happen to me. Oh, this could happen to people of color. Yeah, it could happen if it happens to Donald Trump, maybe somewhere down the line. It's a slippery slope for people of color. First, it happens to Donald Trump. And next thing you know, the they're they're indicting and they're arresting people of color. So we have to stop it uh, with Trump. Uh, well, I, let's listen to some more people of no color talking about how people of color think and feel 
after seeing Donald Trump's mugshot. This is, I mean, what better way to find out what people of color are thinking than to ask people of no color. Here is Fox News's racist Jesse Waters talking about Trump's mugshot. Black Americans online, some of them are saying, I'm voting for Trump now because they, too, have sometimes felt they've been unfairly targeted by the criminal justice system. Wow, I didn't know that. Thank you, person of non-color, telling us what people of color, black people, are, are thinking. I thank you. It's, you know, who better? How else are you going to find out how people of color are thinking than asking people of non-color? Uh, black Americans are voting for Trump. Interesting. So go on, Jesse Waters. Please continue. The Trump mugshot's like the new Che Guevara T-shirt. The image represents something. You feel something when you see it. It's iconic. It's infamous. And the media feels it, too. Yeah. So Trump is Che Guevara. In that case, Trump should pay a visit to the jungles of Bolivia and see if he can wrap up his career the same way Che Guevara did in the jungles of uh, Bolivia. Should try that. Go visit a village in Bolivia, Donald, and finish it all up the way uh, Shay did. Well, here is some guy. He's always on Fox News. I think he, he has his own show on Fox News. And he was appearing on Laura Ingram's Fox News show. And he's in, he's got his finger. Now, he's a person of non-color. But you can tell by the way he talks that he has his finger on the pulse of the people of color community. And it's good news. If you're a Trump supporter, according to this fella, who, who's totally tapped in to what black people are thinking, this is good news for Donald Trump. Please explain to us, person of non-color. Well, well, Laura, look, I want to add to what you touched on early in the show. That mugshot situates Trump in a cultural context that I'm not sure his enemies may have anticipated. Now he joins Frank Sinatra. He joins Elvis Presley. He joins mm. Johnny Cash and Tupac Shakur. And he didn't only know some of these people, meaning he is now seen by non-political folks as a rebel, an outsider with swagger. And as one black lady I spoke with earlier today here in New Orleans said, Trump's a gangster. And that means he has cred among a new block of voters that perhaps have never given him a serious look. And now they're looking again. Wow. Thank you, Whitey Crackerman. So you 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 spoke to a black woman in in Louisiana. This is great. What better way to find out what a black person is thinking than to watch Fox News? And OK. And what uh, Whitey Crackerman, what what did what did she say about the mugshot? Trump's a gangster. He's he's a gangster. OK. And, and so why? And this is a black woman who's happy that he's a gangster. What, what does that mean? Explain this to me. Hang on. This isn't. Hang on. What does it mean, Whitey Crackerman? And that means he has cred. Cred. Still not getting you. The, the black people or this black woman you spoke to in Louisiana said he's a gangster and he has cred. I, I so this is good for Donald Trump. I don't understand what you're saying. Continue. 
among a new block of voters that perhaps have never given him a serious look. And now they're looking again. Black people are looking at Donald Trump. They're giving him a second look because he has a mug shot. Hmm. Oh, I got it. Because it's Fox News and you think all black people are criminals. I get it. So they can now, because black people are all criminals, that's what Fox News has taught us. He, all black people now can relate to Donald Trump. Wow, what an enlightened view of racial politics. Thank you, Whitey Crackerman. Uh, very interesting. Uh, well, I don't know if Donald Trump needs a mugshot his own mugshot to relate to black people, uh, because uh, I think in the past week, Donald Trump scored some really big points, got his cred with uh, the black community because of the way he came to the rescue of Harrison Floyd, the leader of black voices for Trump. Uh, You know, Harrison Floyd, we've talked about Harrison Floyd, the leader of Black Voices for Trump. He is one of Donald Trump's co-defendants down in Georgia. And Floyd, this is where Trump really showed his cred to the black community. Uh, Floyd couldn't afford a lawyer, couldn't post bond. And Donald Trump came to his rescue by leaving him there inside the Fulton County Jail to rot for five whole days because tough love. That's that's how much Donald Trump loves the black community. He came to Harrison Floyd's rescue by giving him what he so desperately needed, tough love, right? He loves Harrison Floyd so much, he's not going to help him get out of jail or find a lawyer. Tough love, that, that's the tough love that Donald gives to Eric and Don Jr. and Ivanka, no favors, make it on your own. That's the tough love that earns Donald Trump street cred among the black community. You know, I love hearing white people talk about what black people are thinking and how they're going to vote. I mean, we could ask black people what they're thinking, but why? We have Trump's attorney, Alina Abba. We got Jesse Waters. We got Laura Ingram and her creepy guest, Whitey Crackerman. But you know what? If you really want to know what black people think, go straight to the source. Let's hear from Bill Maher and John Cougar Mellencamp. I would say that the playing fields are a lot better than the cotton fields. That's what I would say about that. Maybe I'm crazy, John, but it seems like making no money as a slave picking cotton was it was not as good as playing left field for the Yankees. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there were uh, you know reasons why. Listen, I mean, Dave no, Winfield no, has some no, beefs against no Steinbrenner. Da- I'm no sure. doubt there is one or two percent of black people in America who have a better life. Oh, stop. That's what you think? One or two percent? Okay, let's say 10 percent. I'm just pulling a number out of my ass. Wow. Who needs a subscription to Jacobin, The Economist, The New York Times, The Washington Post, The Nation magazine, when you can listen to these two? Bill Maher, 
and John Cougar Mellencamp discussing whether black people have it better now or they had it better back when they were slaves. This was a real conversation that Bill Maher did on his YouTube show. Did black people have it better as slaves or do they have it better now? And like I keep saying, who better to answer this question than Bill Maher and John Cougar Mellencamp? Thank God the conversation wasn't clouded by asking Cornell West. Boy, Bill Maher and John Mellencamp, there's a meeting of the minds. It's like listening to Bertrand Russell and Buckminster Fuller at the Oxford Union engaging in a three-hour farting contest. Alina Abba, your thoughts. That's, I think, why people get nervous with Trump. He doesn't do what's popular or what's right. Well, say that again, please. Say that again. I, I... That's, I think, why people get nervous with Trump. He doesn't do what's popular or what's right. Oh, say that again. I just want to make sure I heard that. That's, properly. I think, why people get nervous with Trump. He doesn't do what's popular or what's right. Mm, interesting. And you're a lawyer. Mr. Trump? Your response? Fox News, Wall Street Journal, Rupert Murdoch is a globalist. Murdoch is a globalist. Get used to it. And Ted Cruz? Kiss my ass. Okay. And Rudy, your thoughts? I drink scotch. Okay. And Governor Ron DeSantis, I'll give you the last word. Governor Ron DeSantis, we just spoke to Rudy. Hey, Governor DeSantis, I'm going to give you the last word. Can you think of a Can you think, I'm writing a song. Can you think of a word that rhymes with Rudy? Duty. Ah, thank you very much. Anyway, I'm taking Monday off. I'm taking a three-day weekend. Uh, I'm, uh, anyway, Alina Abba was on Newsmax. She's the lawyer, Donald Trump's lawyer. And uh, she was on Newsmax. Uh, she was on the Greg Kelly show. And Greg had a guest host. I don't know her name, but she sure loves Trump. Listen to she reminded me of something that I had forgotten. I remember I'm, I'm old enough to remember that when the 9-11 terror attacks happened, Trump raced down to ground zero. He used his right. own money to help pay for recovery efforts. He was a hero. He was a hero to America, yeah. to New York. Yes, he was. He was. He was. He yes. Donald Trump I want to hear that again. I love that. We're all going to die. I remember, I'm, I'm old enough to remember that when the 9-11 terror attacks happened, Trump raced down to ground zero. He used his right. own money to help pay for recovery efforts. He was a hero. He was a hero to America, yeah. to New York. Yes, he was. Yeah, I, we all remember that. How could you? He was a, <laughs> Donald Trump was a hero on September 11th. The way he rushed down there to ground zero, rummaging through the uh, wreckage, trying to find if there was any money in anybody's wallet. Uh, we all remember that. Donald Trump. And uh, not like Rudy Giuliani, who cowered in his office on January 11th. Right, Rudy? I drink scotch. Yeah, you drink scotch. Yes, you do. Well, Rudy uh, is having that big... $100,000 plate fundraiser that Trump is throwing for him at Trump's Bedminster, New Jersey Country Club next week. It's going to be a that's look it up, a $100,000 a plate dinner 
to raise money for Rudy's legal defenses. And you know what they're serving? Nothing, because nobody's showing up. Nobody's showing up. Uh, yeah, but here is Rudy lying. I mean, this guy, you know, he just lies. Here is Rudy on Newsmax Friday with Eric Bowling uh, talking about the defamation case that he just forfeited. Uh, but here's how he's uh, spinning it. Mr. Mayor, thank you for your time. Uh, I know there was a, a Politico uh, reported that you had been um, found guilty of, of uh, a crime and they were going to try and get you to, to pay for it. I got to go. I don't have time to talk about it, but again, I haven't folks, been found guilty of anything. It was a it was a discovery motion and they are completely lying about it. They're completely untrue. You see what's happening? You see what's happening? The guy, they can bleed you dry of money just to defend well, yourself about these these uh, complaints and charges and, and whatnot. And whatnot. They bleed you dry for whatnot. What did he do? He was simply, Rudy was just availing himself to, to look into election fraud and whatnot. Well, first off, uh, Rudy is lying. I mean, it's just amazing what you can get away with on these... Uh, news stations. This is Newsmax. And, you know, you may be somebody should sue Rudy because uh, I don't think he's been sued yet, but he's posting his number here to raise money for his legal fees. This is fraud. He's lying about his legal problems. I think this is fraud. Uh, it'd be nice to see him sued for once. Uh, Rudy's lying. Uh, he defaulted on that defamation lawsuit. I've been talking about this for a week, uh, there was this defamation lawsuit filed by uh, two election workers, a mother and a daughter named Ruby Freeman and Shay Moss. And Rudy almost got them killed. They had to go into hiding. He kept going on national television, accusing them of stuffing ballots for Biden, passing around secret thumb drives, quotes like they were vials of heroin or crack cocaine. Nice, right? Uh, he defamed them. And Rudy, you admitted you lied about them. You ruined their lives and the judge convicted you this week because you refused to turn over any of your documents. But you just you just keep lying. He just keeps lying. The Daily Beast reports that all the billionaires who donated to Rudy's mayoral campaign and his presidential run back in 2008 want nothing to do with him. Home Depot titan Ken Langone says he wouldn't give Giuliani a penny. He's worth $7 billion. And uh, he says, I'm not giving him a penny. Uh, the head of NASCAR, the former head of NASCAR, Brian Franz, who uh, was a major supporter of Rudy, said, uh, I don't know what happened to him, but I'm not giving him any money. Wow. Low, how the fallen have fallen even more. And it just keeps coming for Rudy. Rolling Stone magazine reports that Arizona, their Democratic attorney general, Chris Mays, has launched an investigation into the phony elector scheme in which Republicans in Arizona met to send a slate of 11 phony Trump electors to be counted on January 6th. 
According to Rolling Stone, the Arizona Attorney General is targeting Rudy Giuliani as the ringleader of the whole operation. Uh, he's going to be, this is, you know, this is fun to watch somebody like this. Uh, I don't feel sorry for him. He, he, he deserves more, more. Give him more. Uh, yeah, he is being accused of being the ringleader of the whole pho phony electors uh, scheme in Arizona. Uh, Rudy apparently flew down to Arizona and aggressively lobbied several Republican members of the state legislature. He, he urged them to recall the electors for Biden and replace them with Trump electors. And Giuliani met with Republicans, especially the Speaker of the House, Rusty Bowers. I talked about Rusty Bowers at the top of the show. Rusty Bowers is, I think, 70 years old. He's, he was the Republican Speaker of the State House. And uh, Rusty Bowers said, there's no evidence of election fraud. And, and Rudy Giuliani said, there's election fraud. We know for a fact that there is election fraud in Arizona. So Rusty Bowers testified before the January 6th committee. He said, I asked Rudy Giuliani, you're so insistent that there's election fraud that I haven't heard of. Give me one piece of evidence. And this is what Rudy said, okay? We got lots of theories. We just don't have the evidence. We we got lots of theories. We just don't have the evidence. This really sums up the, the Republican Party. You know, supply-side economics, climate change. We got lots of theories. We just don't have the evidence. Rudy, I'll give you the last word. I drink scotch. Yeah, yes, you do. I hope you like toilet wine at Leavenworth, because that's the only alcohol you'll be getting. Rotten hell. I'm David Feldman, reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak.